This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Live your life by a compass, not a clock. Stephen Covey. But as of now, my favorite stretch of 500 miles was the state of Wyoming is just shocking how how diverse it is in terms of the landscape. So you you come into Wyoming in some rolling mountains and you think you're leaving the mountains after Colorado. And then you drop into the Red Desert, which is a non-draining basin um, just in the middle of, of Wyoming. And it's pretty low relative to where you've been. Then you leave that and go up into the Wind River Range and all of a sudden there's 13,000 foot peaks around you. And then you go into Yellowstone, which is full of geysers. And so just over the course of a couple weeks, it's like you've hiked on so many different environments. It's really exciting to see the landscape change so fast. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guests. 
Well, if you are fans of through hiking and outside adventure, and I'm pretty sure you are, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to be talking to some people this week that you have probably heard of. My guests this week have a huge following on TikTok and Instagram, and they've got an incredible website as well. You may remember that we heard from them in our updates from the trail episode back in season two. Welcome to the podcast, Renee and Tim, who are fresh off the Continental Divide Trail. Hello. Howdy, Doc. How's it going? How, how long how long are you out there on the trail? Um, 135 days. Yeah, so a little over four months. Okay, very yeah. good. I can't... Go May until September, so it was a good way to spend the summer. Nice. Can't wait to hear all about it. Now, have you guys listened to the John Freaking Muir pod before? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. I only ask because I want to make sure that you are aware that we go strictly by trail names on the podcast. And so I'm Doc. Um, I, I imagine you guys over the course of 3,100 miles and even from your earlier hikes, you have picked up trail names. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we've actually switched uh, on our first long hike, the Pacific Crest Trail. Uh, I was sausage and I was blue man, but on the continental divide trail, uh, we, we switched. So now I'm tick and I'm talk tick and talk like the social media platform. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's what we're named after or, or a grandfather clock. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So let, let's start with sausage and blue man. Cause I love to hear the backstories on these, these trail names. How did you pick up Sausage and Blue Man? Well, so for Sausage, uh, I didn't eat meat or animal products on the Pacific Crest Trail. And I, I like meat a lot. And so I would talk about it. And when people were talking about food, I would start talking about the various sausages I hoped that I was eating. And that turned into a trail name and stuck around. Yes. Talk about food. That is one of the two major topics on the trail. Yeah, yes. <laughs> That's right. Okay. And how about Blue Man? Um, one day my, um, I was hiking in my bright blue base layer because um, my clothing had gotten wet the night before because I left it out near some water and it was all wet. So I just was wearing my bright blue base layer and I had during the PCT buzzed my hair off. So I had a, yeah. So I think I looked like the blue man group. <laughs> so. Okay. Now I don't want to assume anything. Are, are the two of you married? Yes. We are. Okay. okay. Very good. And how, how did you go from sausage and blue man to TikTok on the CDT? <laughs> so we, I think for both of us, definitely for me, I didn't really like the name sausage that much. And you kind of get awarded a trail name and, and if it sticks, you take it. So at that point on the PCT, I took it, but setting out into the CDT, I, I wanted a different one. And so I was introducing myself as Tim and seeing what stuck. And then, uh, yeah, were you basically the same? Yeah. Yep. Just ready for a fresh start. <laughs> and then, uh, the hikers early on, on the continental divide trail, learned about our surprisingly large presence on TikTok and um and had fun saying, oh, you guys have to take tick and talk. And so uh that seemed fitting. And we we didn't know at first who was tick and who was talk, but here we are. I 
my name is Tim. So Tim is similar to Tick. So that's how it went. Makes sense. Makes sense. And you said surprisingly large following on TikTok. How did the TikTok presence uh, develop? How, how did that go? Because you guys have some, some great videos on TikTok. Is that what they're called? Videos on TikTok? I don't, I don't, I don't want to be a boomer and, you know, mislabel anything, <laughs> but that's what they seem to be to me. Clips, clips on TikTok, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Short videos. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so how did that, how did that all, how did that all happen? Uh, we, we were having fun making them and for a while, not too many people cared. We, you know, we had a following and we were of a few hundred people. Um, and we were making these videos. And then at some point, as we were getting closer to the Continental Divide Trail, it just took off and um, and people started signing up to see more of what we were putting out there. And yeah, I, I don't know if there was any anything in particular that made it take off, but at the start of the trail, we were up to 400,000 followers. And by a month in, we had a million followers and it's continued growing. So that's really been a surprise. That's fantastic. You know, my family, they all consider themselves talent scouts for the, the John freaking Muir pod. And so my, my youngest daughter, who is 20, she's a college senior. Uh, she says, dad, you know, you should interview this, these people. And she holds up uh, her phone. And it's, it's one of your TikToks. And I said, Casey, I'm, I'm interviewing them next week. You know, they, I talked to them <laughs> earlier and they're coming on, on the podcast. She's like, no way. These people are famous. They're famous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. So I have a, we have a TikTok here for, for John freaking Muir and we're at that early stage of development where not many people tune in, but uh, you know, we have some fun putting some stuff up there. Yeah, we follow it. Uh, we've been following John freaking Muir on TikTok for at least since May. So nice. Nice. Okay. Hey, also you guys are familiar since you've listened to the podcast, you're familiar with the pro tip insight of the week. That is a segment towards the end of the episode where I will turn to you and I will ask you what piece of wisdom can you share with our listeners that's going to make their next outdoor experience even better. And we'll look for a, a, a pro tip from each of you, from Tick and from Talk. Okay. Sounds okay, so good. Don't, don't be surprised. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag, with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. And this segment is sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Outdoor Vitals. So Tick and Talk, what is your must-bring piece of gear? Um, my must-bring piece of gear is um, a closed foam sleeping pad. Um, I love yeah having my pad on the outside of my pack and you know at lunch or whatever I pull it out and I'm always sitting on it and I find it more comfortable than a foot or um, than a inflatable pad so yep mine is the closed foam sleeping pad and I've used the Nemo switchback um, and the Thermarest Z-Lite they're both both work both are good I like the short version so yeah okay and have you tried the blow up pads Yes. Yes, I have. And, and, and you prefer the foam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's also very handy to have on the outside of your pack. And when you get, when you take a break to be able to take that off your pack and just sit on something comfortable. Yeah. Yep. I'm always sitting on mine. So, and Tim always has holes in his butt in his pants. So. 
I use the same type of pad. I'm just usually too lazy to take it off of my pack uh, and sit on it. So yeah, I rip a lot of pants on the trail. <laughs> what, but I think what, I, I what add, is your what is your brand of pants that you that you wear? Oh, various. Various. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever found a pair of pants that I'm so in love with that I suggest it widely. But <laughs> you're not sponsored by Prana or anybody. Uh, no. Okay. All right. It's coming. Yep. <laughs> we'll see. Let's hope. Uh, we, before I say mine, I, I think talk didn't add a fun reason why, like part of why we, we said we're never going back to inflatable was we were camping and it was zero degrees Fahrenheit in Northern Wisconsin. And we had a pad blow, uh, or blow out and zero degree weather it's dangerous all of a sudden when you lose your sleeping pad and um yeah we we were okay we survived but never wanted to experience that again so that's a big part of why closed foam is for both of us our go right yeah there's no risk of of it deflating right it's 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 always Mm going to be foam and you don't have to take that chance of sleeping on the on the cold hard ground in zero degrees that is that is dangerous yeah so, Tick, how about you? What, what is your must-bring piece of gear? So, we both like cooking and eating, and um, and so it's it's food-related. And I'm a major fan of pots with heat sinks. Uh, so, you, if you've seen these pots, it's like, I don't care the material. I've had aluminum pots or titanium pots, but something with a heat sink on the bottom to make the heat transfer go a little better from the flame to the pot. Um, You save some fuel and you save time and it just makes the cooking experience more fun for me. So uh, that's, that's my must have is some pot with a heat sink. Okay. That's interesting. You know, I've talked to lots and lots of people and I have never heard that item as a, as a must bring, but Um, that makes sense. That's great. Well, in the wind, especially it's, I think, so we did a test and we think it saves about 30% of the fuel, which really when it comes down to it weight wise, I don't know if that's, a, if it's really worth the extra weight of the heat sink to save 30% on fuel. But, um, but in the wind, I think you save 50% of fuel because wind will just whip the flame out from underneath your, your pot. So uh, the heat sink still catches it when it's windy and, then you have a little bit of freedom to keep cooking, even if you'd otherwise be getting low on fuel on a longer carry. So, yeah, good point. Good point. And this is a good jumping off point uh, in our discussion to talk about gear. I'd love to hear, you know, what was, what was your base weight on the continental divide trail and uh, you know, your sleep system. um, What, what are, are some of the essentials out there? Yeah. So I think, but we both had a base weight of, um, under 10 pounds on the CDT. So um, yeah, that was, it was nice to be so light um, compared to previously. Um, and so- What, what we, was it previously? What was it on the PCT? We probably started out around maybe 15 pounds on the PCT and maybe got it down to 12 or so by the end, but- And yeah, and some hikes before that, it was probably- a trillion pounds. Uh, we, we look at old pictures of our backpacking trips and it's surprising how much we fit on our backs. So, 
Uh, we embraced ultralight when we did the PCT, but we hadn't yet really learned. Yeah, we to, learned how extra tricks. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What What are some of those tricks? Let, let's uh, Let's enlighten our listeners out there who maybe have not watched your TikToks. <laughs> sure. Well, we don't change clothing. I, that's pretty typical for a through hiker is to wear the same outfit every single day, uh, but save several pounds compared to our former backpacking selves by always wearing the same clothes. Uh, what else? Oh, no, you go. <laughs> we share one pot and one spork. Um, so, you know, there's, there's some weight savings. You always ask people if they cut the handles off their toothbrushes and, and we have, we each carry our own full length toothbrush, but when it comes to eating utensils, we can get by with just one spork for two people. So. Tick and talk. You know what that is? That is true love right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And then how about your, uh, I mean, did you go ultralight on your, do you do a tent or tarp? How does that work? Or bivy? Um, we started the CDT with a tarp. Um, so in New Mexico, we, um, mostly cowboy camped and then we, I think we set up our tarp about six times maybe due to rain. Um, so that was great in New Mexico. And then we switched to a tent in Colorado for the rest of the trail. So we had a Z-Pax duplex. Okay. And how big was your tarp? Oh, what what was it? I think it was nine feet by 10 feet, if I remember. Yeah. It was really hard to pick the size, but we were happy with that size. So I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I think so. Yeah. Now a a tarp that size, that that allows you to do a whole variety of different types of pitches. Mm -hmm. Did you, you know, I went down the rabbit hole on YouTube with with, uh, tarp pitches (laughs) And so, you know, I, I've asked this question many times and people have talked about, you know, having specialized tarps where it only sets up one way or didn't have any idea what I was talking about. So I'm hoping that, that, uh, you guys have a, a favorite pitch. I mean, we pretty much always just do the a frame. I don't know if that's what you call it, but yeah. Uh-huh. Standard. Yeah. Right. It's a square tarp, which means it's well, or a flat tarp, they call it. It doesn't have any special stitching. It's just a tarp. So that does give us the freedom to set it up various ways. But I don't know. If you watch those YouTube videos of people setting up their tarps crazy ways, they're usually on their front lawn where they have perfect ground for staking and all the ropes and sticks you could dream of to and those are cool, but I yeah, for us it's almost always most convenient to do it. A-frame. Not always. We have a really bad wind on one side. We've put one side down to the ground and yeah, can leave the other side a little up, but yeah. Yeah, Tick, that's a fair point. You must have been watching me. I was on my, my back lawn doing all those <laughs> pitches and I called my wife out, hey, look, look at this pitch. And she she's like, you're just shaking her head at me. I go, what are you talking about? What are you doing? But uh, my favorite is the asymmetrical Holden. So if, you that? Heard, if you haven't heard about that, look it up. Asymmetrical okay. Holden pitch. It is uh, one side is is down, one side is up, but you have uh, one trekking pole um, off to the side. So you have you have kind of a, a point that's higher than the rest on one side. It's hmm. kind of you know you have to look it up. I, I'm not doing a good job explaining it, but uh, it, it's really nice. A lot of access to the to the night sky. A lot of protection if you put it up the right way, uh, where the wind's coming from. So, yep. And cowboy camping, 
cowboy camping. I did a lot of cowboy camping this, this past summer, not on a, a trip as extensive as yours, but I, I was on a, a couple of trips and uh, being exposed to the night air and the night sky up at altitude where there's not really a whole lot of bugs and just seeing the stars at night, waking up in the middle of the night and seeing that, that sky, just incredible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think uh, you're a Californian. So when we lived in California for a little while, that was when we first discovered the possibility of, um, of cowboy camping, because here in the Midwest, it's, it's not really an option. You get wet, whether it's raining or not, there's always moisture. And in California, all of California, really, it was just great to be able to do that or camp without our tarp on the tent or whatever. Okay. And speaking of that, let's, let's, uh, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about your background, where you grew up, uh, if you were involved in, you know, different sports or hobbies, or if outdoor adventure was part of your life growing up, did your parents expose you to that? And just how you got involved in, in outdoor adventure. And I want to hear, I want to hear each of your stories. Okay. Sure. And we did some thinking about this question. And so hopefully, hopefully we thought of everything. Um, for me, I, I come from a family that prided itself on, on the out, on experiencing the outdoors. So we were doing lots of national park trips when I was a kid and car camping that way. Um, and then around middle school, I got more interested in adventure trips with Boy Scouts. So I, I would had a chance to do some you know, week-long real backpacking trips with Boy Scouts, which I hadn't had the opportunity to do with my family. We were really just car campers. So uh, from a young age, that was my exposure to the outdoors was really um, Boy Scouts got me doing adventure stuff. And Yeah, and I think my, my family went camping, car camping a couple times, but yeah, it wasn't, yeah, wasn't a big thing with us. But yeah, so I guess my... I was more into yeah sports like I was a swimmer and a little bit of track also so just endurance sports. Okay, and where where did you guys grow up? Were you in the Midwest? Yes, I'm from Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm from Chicago area in Illinois. Okay, and how did you two meet? Uh, we met um, in college. We both went to the University of Wisconsin Madison. And we met at a football game. Yeah. So. Okay. Love at first sight. Maybe. <laughs> Not quite sure. <laughs> you know, we asked the tough questions here on the John Freaking Mirpod. Don't, don't be surprised. <laughs> I think I I had the hots for Renee before she noticed who I was, but I I caught her eye eventually. <laughs> there is something to be said about there is something to be said about persistence. <laughs> Um, but so then our, our kind of growth as backpackers continues. So then we knew each other and we, we did just a lot of outdoors stuff together. Um, some backpacking trips and canoeing and camping. And it was something that I remain quite, um, proud of that the two of us did together was we, we volunteered for the Wisconsin department of natural resources, tracking wolves. Uh, and they were trying to get a count of the wolves in the state. So we would get out in the wintertime and look for wolf prints in the, in the snow. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, so that was a, at one stage in our relationship, we were doing all this outdoors stuff. And then 
another point, we kind of switched to doing endurance athletics, right? So. Yeah, yeah. We did a lot of uh, biking and running and swimming and triathlons and yeah. So. And then we kind of figured out how to combine those things into through hiking. So I think uh, through hiking is a good way to be on the one hand, very much an endurance athlete. And on the other hand, really outside and, and enjoying nature as you can. Absolutely. Great combo. And I'm always interest, interested to hear from folks when they first learned about the long trails, that such a thing existed that where you could walk from Mexico to Canada. And, uh, you know, I, I, I remember when I had that first realization, it was just, it was mind blowing. Like people did this. Are you, are you kidding? And so, you know, I, I, I hear you about, uh, you know, the triathlons and the outdoor adventures and you guys did car camping. And, um, but when did you realize that long trails existed and that this might be something you're interested in? Um, Tim's mom gave me the book wild for Christmas one year. And so I read that and then, um, we were kind of applying for some jobs and had the opportunity to move to California. And I was like, yes, let's do it. The PCT is out there. <laughs> so I think, yeah, the book wild, uh, sparked my interest. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'd say Renee sparked my interest in doing that. We, she, she caught the bug of really wanting to hike the PCT and, uh, I, I initially maybe took a little longer to convince, uh, but when we lived in California, we did all sorts of hikes on the PCT and it was just a matter of time until I was convinced that no need to wait till we retire. We can do it now. So. Okay. And what part of California did you live in? Uh, Davis, California. Okay. In the, yeah, near Sacramento or San Francisco. Yeah. Right. As a Southern California guy, I'd say that's, oh yeah, Northern California, but really it's probably closer to Central California, right? There's, yeah. There's a, there's, that's a long say, state. I was about to say Northern California, but <laughs> no, it's, it's not really Northern if you look on the map. <laughs> the people in Davis had a complex about that, I, I think, really saying like, they call us Northern California, but look at the map, we're not in the North. Uh, but that's like us right now, we're talking to you from the Midwest and look at the map, we're not in the West. <laughs> nice. Now you, you mentioned not having to wait until you retire to do this. What, what do you guys actually do to pay the bills or to, to fund your trips? We have jobs like boring, not, not boring. I like my job, but, but regular jobs. I'm <laughs> just, a, in, just in case your employer's listening. No, no, but, <laughs> um, but what I mean is that we're not, doing adventure related things for our income. I'm, I'm a professor of plant genetics. Um, and I'm a mechanical engineer. Wow. Okay. And our, our, our listeners should know that Chicago is not, not where you call home these days. You actually, uh, live across the pond. Yeah. We, after in 2018, we moved to Germany uh, for jobs over there. So that's, um, yeah, that's where we lived from 2018 to 2021. Uh, and then to get ready for the CDT, we sort of rearranged our, our working and living situation. And so I reduced my employment to 60% time over the course of the year. And uh, 
and that should last indefinitely. So that's uh, that's a good way to make sure we can get out and do adventures. And yeah, and I I quit the job that I had in Germany, um, but I'm gonna try my hand at some freelance engineering uh, this fall and see how that goes. Okay. Now, Tick, you said professor of plant genetics. Yeah. Okay. And which university was that at? So it's called the University of Göttingen, or for Germans, it's Georg August Universität Göttingen. Um, it's a German university, and yeah, it's kind of in the middle of the country. It, it doesn't have so much of a reputation among English speakers, but it's a, one of the major universities in Germany. Okay, and do you speak German? No, uh, we've been learning, so. We're learning. <laughs> uh, nice thing about having English as a native language is um, is that it's very international. So many Germans speak English and it's enough of a language at, at a university that they can hire actually a professor who doesn't speak German. And imagine that happening here if a professor came to work in the US and said, I don't speak English, only German. That wouldn't fly, but, uh, but it did work for, for over there. And I, I do have to learn it over time. So uh, both talk and I take German lessons regularly. Yep. <laughs> that is that is fascinating that that uh, you speak English, don't speak German fluently. You move to Germany, you get a job as a professor teaching class at this German university in English. Yeah, you're right. That, that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. Here. Uh, yeah. That is that is mind blowing. And talk what tell, tell me, tell us what what does a mechanical engineer do? Um, well, uh, mechanical engineers can do a lot of things, but uh, I do heating, cooling, ventilation in mostly commercial or industrial buildings. So I've done design, um, worked for a um, company in Germany, um, did more facilities where we built a um, large company and built new buildings around the world. So um for plant breeding so yeah just a lot of a lot of things okay i've got an upcoming episode that's going to air before this one with a uh some sisters that i met on the mineral king loop trail in the sequoia national park and one was a mechanical engineer and one was a chemical engineer oh wow yeah so quite the pair they're they're a lot of fun to talk to a lot of fun to talk to now i always tell the people that i talk to who are involved in relationships and who take those relationships out on the trail, that there is no hiding on the trail. I mean, you, you are out there 24-7 seeing the best and the worst, uh, stressful situations at times, and there's no hiding who you are. Who you are is who you are on the trail. And if you are a couple on the trail, and you not only survive, but you thrive in that environment, that means you, you are a forever couple, Right. Yeah, I guess we've, we've lasted two through hike, so that's a good sign so far. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Any, any uh, moments out on the trail where you, you realize something about your partner out there that you didn't previously know? Well, that's a good question. Hmm. I realized when she has to go to the bathroom, she has to go to the bathroom. Get there's, out of no, the there's no, oh, I'm going to hold it for a minute. <laughs> It's it's coming now. <laughs> hmm. I might have to think on that one. <laughs> okay. I'm a former teacher, so I've got good wait time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now in Germany, you, you guys um, created an app for hiking in Germany. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So Germany has um, a, a, a bunch of marked and named long trails that are about, I don't know, 100 to 200 uh, miles long or, or a little longer. Um, and so we, we had a little PCT reunion um, and met up with two, two PCT hikers uh, when we first moved to Germany and hiked the Harzer Hexenstieg, which is the witch's trail um, in English. And it was a blast. And uh, we tried to find an app to tell us the information we needed, um, but there was no such app. So we hiked the trail and kind of pieced together our own maps and decided, hmm, maybe we should make an app and for all these German trails. So, yeah. And what is the app called? What's the app called? Uh, Wanderfreund, which means hiking friend. Spelled with a W, but in Germany it's Wander, not Wander. And which of the two of you is the app designer? Neither. Uh, So the two of us together are the developers. And we have a third partner, um, Parmesan from the PCT. He was a, a friend of ours on the PCT and he lives in, he lives nearby. And he's uh, a real German who actually speaks German. Yeah. <laughs> and he's the, the designer, right? Yeah. yeah. So he's the designer, we're the developers. Which means, yeah, he puts together the pretty pictures and works on how the user interface would, should look like. And Tim and I write the code and yeah. Is it kind of like all trails for Germany or how is it, how is it different? I mean, I imagine you get, you have good trail information, description of the trail, where the trailhead is, how long the trails are, kind of difficulty level. It's a lot like all trails or Google maps or gut hook kind of, it's a, it's a German version of those. So there was no app over there that, that was doing kind of long trails well. And we felt like what really needs to happen is a good interface and also good data. And so that's where it kind of differs from all trails is every trail that we've put in the app so far has, we've really curated the data. Um, So yeah, we go out and we hike the trails and we record um, where's the water, where our German trails have these huts that you stay in. Um, so where's the water? Where's the huts? Where's the towns? So we with photographs of all of that. And um, so that makes it through hiker friendly. I'd say that you need water if you're trying to do a, a through hike. And, yeah, that's right. And what kind of feedback have you gotten from folks about the app? Um, yeah, really great feedback so far. So people seem to really like both the app and having the data available to them when hiking. So yeah, it's been great uh, to get such good feedback. And yeah, it, go ahead. Go ahead. That's, that's been exciting. That um, it, it's it's a product that didn't really exist over there, so we didn't know if the German market had an appetite for this sort of app. Um, and I mean, it certainly hasn't taken off. We don't have millions of downloads, much less than that. But the people who are using it are 
often sending us messages saying, wow, this is so amazing and it's really useful. And we've even had people uh, reach out and right now it's free. We're trying to um, just get it out there. So in 2021, trails are all free that, that are in the app right now. We've had people offer to pay us just because they said, oh, this has been so useful. Can, I, can we just give you the money that you would be charging if it was for sale already? So that's been really cool to get that feedback. Uh, that's great. I was going to ask if this was a, a current revenue stream for you. It, yeah, it's it's a negative revenue stream. <laughs> <laughs> kind of kind of like a podcast, yeah. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> we did, um, what's the term? We incorporated a business over there for it. And um, yeah, and so there's just various small fees, but fees associated with that and hope Someday we we hope that it can be a revenue stream, but it, or, or is the sustain itself? I guess you more. Yeah, and we're thinking hard about how that can look in the long run. How can we grow um, without sacrificing the quality of what's in there? Because that's what gives it value, the, the data itself. So, uh, but but yeah, we'll see. Definitely zero zero euros have come in so far. <laughs> Some have gone out. Yes. <laughs> Great. Now you you've done quite a bit of hiking in uh, Germany. You've you've hiked these trails that you're uh, uploading into Wanderfund. Um, did I pronounce it right? Really close. close. Really really close. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'm okay with close. All right. <laughs> um, how how are the how are the hiking trails in Germany different from those in America, or are there are there sections of America that are that are comparable to the the trails in Germany? they're they're pretty different they're um germany has yeah it's a lot more populated than the u.s so you go through a lot of um small towns you also pass by um you know german has a lot of germany has a lot of forests so you go through nice forests and hilly nice forests and small towns and you also get coffee stands and beer gardens and bakeries so um it's it's a different style of hiking than the PCT or CDT, but it's a lot of fun. So, yeah. Yeah. I got to the top of Mather Pass the first time and was expecting a, you know, a, uh, a juice stand up there or something, but I was <laughs> sorely disappointed but having a beer garden or a, 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 a pub maybe on the trail. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun uh, to have that. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. yeah, you, Jam- yeah Jamba you... juice. Jamba juice is what I was thinking. That's what I was looking for at the top of Mather Pass. There was no Jamba juice anywhere in sight. <laughs> but that really is it. If there's like a the tallest, you know, mountain, um, there'll be a beer garden on top. And yep, it's great. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I can't tell if you're pulling my leg or not. We no. even have a TikTok about it. Really? Okay. <laughs> All right. It, it really is every every, yeah, every every mountain has a beer garden or a coffee stand or or something like that always. It seems like at least. But yeah, maybe not everyone, but wilderness is is not um it's not the same concept in Germany as it is in the US, which has, you know, it, it, which makes it different, which means you can get a coffee when you're at the top of a mountain, which is kind of nice. Germany, here I come. <laughs> nice 
All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear about some uh, some stories and some trails from the U.S., including the JMT, the PCT, and the CDT. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. The John Freakin' Muirpod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence-inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor, live ultralight. Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your pod- podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Tick and Talk about their adventures. And I want to go back to, I think it's 2015, when you guys did a hike on the JMT. And I understand this was not the full JMT, but uh, you were out there for, for a, a couple of weeks, a few weeks, and this was your first long hike together? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, we did a... We were hoping to get a permit for the JMT, but it was, the permits were all taken. So we got a permit from Vermilion Valley Resort um, to Walker Pass. And um, yeah, it was planned for 17 days. We, it ended up being 14 days because when we got to Kennedy Meadows South, there was, rumors of a 30 mile water carry. And that was just too much for us at the time. Yeah. Now on, on people's first long hikes, it's uh sometimes there's a learning curve. 
involved. You know, I've talked to people who their first, their first overnight experience on the trail was doing the Appalachian trail. And so they, they went into it expecting one thing and, and ending up with a whole different reality. So was there any kind of learning curve for the two of you on the JMT? And definitely. Uh, we, we didn't know about the concept of ultralight or light or not just bringing everything you think might be fun. Uh, so we just kind of loaded up our packs with, I think we had a magnetic scrabble board and, um, changes of clothing and a lot of stuff, including 17 days of food, because we figured we didn't want to resupply. We just hiked the whole thing through resupply sounded like a, well, I don't think we even knew what a resupply was. Uh, <laughs> we learned on the trail about the concept of resupplying from other hikers out there. But... Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we really just set out with a lot of stuff, and that made it challenging. So there's our, yeah, definitely a learning curve, and um, but, but we had a lot of fun. I mean, it was a, a great trip, and being out in the High Sierras for 14 days and away from everything was just amazing. Now, before I ask you some of your favorite spots in the Sierras, I have to, I have to know, how did you cram 17 days worth of food into a bear canister? Because, uh, you know, I, I've, I've carried 10 and that was a tight, tight fit. I can't imagine 17. Did you, did you crush all the pop tarts together or how did that work? <laughs> so it took a little bit of creative research. So we had a map with us of where all the, um, on the JMT, there's, uh, bear boxes at some of the camp, sites. Um, so we would, we knew where all of those were. So we tried to camp, um, at the campsites that have the big metal bear boxes. Um, and then when that wasn't possible, we learned that, um, you can do a counterbalance, um, bear hang and that that's acceptable in the Kennedy. No, not can, uh, what is the it's not acceptable in Yosemite, but it's acceptable in Sequoia Kings and Kings Canyon. So they really don't recommend it. And it really did take some, you know, you call it creative research. It, it, when you first read the rules, it seems like you have to have a bear canister. Um, but after talking to rangers, we learned that on the parts that we were on, we were okay to use these bear lockers in some spots and in other spots it was okay to do the the counterbalance hang so but that was back in 2015 so maybe they've changed the rules but that was so we didn't actually bring a bear can at all really okay and since then we've done the pct as as mentioned in 2018 we did that and for that stretch we did the traditional bear canister approach or the typical bear canister approach mm -hmm. Okay. So for our listeners out there who are planning a hike on the JMT, make sure to read all the fine print and know exactly what is required there to, to store your food. Rules and be careful about storing your, your food. I mean, I, I definitely don't mean to say that, 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 oh, the rules are meant to be um, maneuvered around. I mm -hmm. think we, we were careful about doing the bear hang the right way that mm -hmm. the Rangers say. And um, yeah, so I, I feel proud of, of how we did that. And I am very in favor of following bear rules. 
Yeah. I, when you told me 17 days worth of food on, on the JMT and doing it all in one, one fell swoop, I just imagined this, this, this bear canister uh, stuffed to the top <laughs> and then talk stepping on top of it in her bare feet and kind of pushing it down, making room for some more and then putting some more in and uh, just having a whole hodgepodge of, of food in there. Well, that was our first um, trip where we did extensive dehydrating of food. And so we did have, I mean, for 17 days, relatively light, small food, but still it was 17 days of food. So. And we know from your TikTok videos that you guys, are you guys vegan? Yes. Yes. And were you vegan at that point in 2015? Not in 2015. Okay. Okay. So when we get to a, a trail where you, you, you are now vegan, you have to, you have to share uh, eating strategies and meals, meal planning. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So Sierra is one of my, my favorite spots to be one of the, most gorgeous places in the world to hike. Uh, what were some of your favorite spots in the Sierras? I can go first. Okay. <laughs> um, in 2015 on that JMT hike, we were just blown away by Ray Lakes. I think everybody's blown away by Ray Lakes. Uh, and I think we were rushing at that point. And for whatever reason, we just felt like we hadn't spent enough time there despite it being amazing. Uh, so in 2018, when we came back through on the PCT, we made sure to take a, a half day when we got to Ray Lakes and just enjoyed it and did some swimming and a friend we were with did some fishing. And uh, that stands out as really a highlight being in that spot for the second time and knowing it was coming as we were approaching it and knowing we were going to have this great um, time hanging out which is rare on a through hike when you're pushing and pushing. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think Forrester pass is really amazing also because it's the, the transition from like the dry Southern Sierras to this just green Sierras. So I really love just going over Forrester pass and that transition. Yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with Forrester Pass. <laughs> First two times I went over, it was you know, thunder and lightning and wind and, and rain and hail and hypothermia. And then I went over just this past summer and it was all blue, blue skies and sh- sunshine. And it was just absolutely gorgeous. And it, it's like a different world up there. I mean, it is, it is absolutely just amazing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, as, as this being your first extended hike uh, for two weeks, I think you said, um, were there any moments on the trail where you kind of looked at each other and said, oh my gosh, what are we doing here? What have we gotten ourselves into? This is scary right now. Yeah. The end. What have we gotten ourselves into? We're about to leave this trail and go back to... The world. We were mid move on that hike and it was, um, yeah, the end of a hike is always like, what are we getting ourselves into when we go back? <laughs> yeah, I think it, I mean, other than really heavy backpacks, it went really, really smoothly for us and we fell in love with it. And we even met some PCT through hikers and that even, yeah, that was like, whoa, these guys are all stars. They're just in these 
shorts and t-shirts and really skinny and they have these tiny packs and funny names and it was like wow we got to do this someday (laughs) so is that when you knew that the pct was in your future you stepped off the trail from the jmt and you had a conversation at some point down the road and said let's let's do this but on steroids let's do 2600 miles yeah it was maybe that point and and then we went on another just weekend trip in in Washington on the PCT and met another through hiker and that through hiker happened to be living in the town that we were currently living in in Columbia Missouri and so that was like whoa this guy lives in our town and so when he came back and finished his hike we met with him got some beers with him and picked his brain and then it was pretty, pretty much a sure thing. <laughs> he made it real. He was, he was a person from our town of not that many people who, who we could actually meet with. He wasn't like one of the unbelievable figures who flew past us when we were on the JMT, but he was a guy we were hanging out with. And, uh, and so, yeah, it really was a wake up call that this was doable. Tick, I love the way you put that. He made it real. And that struck a chord with me because that is what I'm trying to do with this podcast is you hear about people, you hear about these things, you hear about these trails and you're like, this, how is this? How, how can this be? And, and my goal is to talk to people that have done this so that other people can, can see, you know what, this, this is something that I can consider. This is something I can do. It's, it's a, it's kind of, uh, it goes to the efficacy of, of, of the whole ordeal. And if, you know, I'm talking to you two who seem to be very genuine, normal people, you know, I hope, I hope there's somebody out there that says, Hey, you know what? They did it. I think I can do that. Yeah. Yep. And that's, yeah. With our um, TikTok videos too, it's kind of cool. We love just exposing people to the outdoors and letting everyone know that. Yeah. Just go outside. It's a lot of fun. Go for a hike. (laughs) Or a through hike. That's right. Now I asked you about an uh-oh moment and Tick, you came up with when you get off the trail. And so that, that leads me to, you know, is post-trail depression a real thing? I don't like that term, but yeah, um, it's hard. It's a transition. I, I think any transition in life is hard and kind of the goals and objectives that drive you on especially on a long distance long timeline hike are just very different than than regular life and right now we're um we're doing sort of a tour we just finished the cdt we're visiting various different family members uh before we return to germany and just little things like having a schedule that um, that we're supposed to stick to is frustrating. When you see a hiker on the trail and you don't know when you'll see him again, you say, yeah, we'll, we'll talk sometime soon. And it might be a day, it might be an hour, it might be a month, it might be never again. And, and that's just okay out there. And then in regular life, if I say I'm going to be somewhere at 7 p.m., I should be there at 7 p.m. or it's rude. And, and that's fine, but it's hard, hard to switch back and forth. Yeah. Trail life is pretty simple and rewarding. You just have 
some miles to hike every day. And if you hike them, you feel good about completing your goal and just kind of have to worry about where's the water. So simple, but rewarding. And yeah. life is more complicated. Well said by each of you. That makes perfect sense. Uh, there is a beautiful simplicity to trail life. You get up, you pack up, you, uh, you hike, you set up camp, you eat, you go to sleep, and you do it again. If you do it enough, enough times, you can go from Mexico to Canada. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and all your stuff fits in a tiny backpack that I just can't believe it. We've been driving around places lately, and we have so much luggage right now. And these two cats were toting around the world. And it's like, whoa, how can it be that we just lived for four and a half months with 10 pounds of stuff in a tiny backpack? And now we've got just all this stuff that we have to move really far. All right. Hey, let's shift gears. Let's go to uh, the PCT in 2018. It's now been three years since you've done the JMT. What have you learned? What have you done differently to prepare for the PCT? Um, We realized we needed just uh, new, lighter gear and less gear. So I think that was the biggest, biggest change we made. Yeah. Yeah. Just getting lighter was big. I, I remember as we were prepping, I thought, oh, we've, so it's going to be cheap. We've got all of our stuff already. And then sort of one item at a time, we realized, no, we should, we should not take that six pound tent. We should get a light tent and we should, you know, just repeatedly things like that. Um, we realized. And so that was the biggest change. Yeah. Okay. And I forgot to ask trail runners or boots. Uh, trail runners. Uh, yeah. Boots on the JMT trail runners. Uh, yeah. On the PCT. So that was another change was uh, yeah. the move to trail runners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good choice. And did you um, happen to meet Barney, Barney Scoutman and his wife Frodo? They are trail angels at the beginning of the PCT who host first time hikers of the PCT and then drive them down to the, the Southern terminus to begin their hike. We did not. They, we didn't know about them. For some reason, we had kind of missed learning that that was an option going there until uh, they were already booked or full. They, starting in 2018, probably a lot like this year, there were a lot of people starting out. And so I think they said we can only handle, I don't know, 30 or 50 or some huge number of people per night at their house that they were hosting. Uh, but we were we were past that. So we stayed at a hotel the night before the hike in San Diego. And was the PCT what you expected it to be? Um, I think it ended up being a lot more social than we realized it was going to be, but I, that was a good thing. We loved it and met a lot of, um, really good friends. So. Now I know 2017 was a high water year, high snow year. 2018, I seem to think that that was uh, less rain than usual. Is that is that accurate, or were the water carries early on difficult? I think it was a perfect year. Okay. Um, yeah, it it was not not I, high yeah. snow, but not no snow. It was probably below average snow, or maybe yeah, maybe below average snow. I don't remember the desert being less water than normal, but, but there were dry stretches. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was, it was a 
it's not a year that we can say to people, oh, but we did it in 2018. Uh, the 2019ers say that about their snow and um, it's 2017, don't they call that the year of fire and ice or something like that? We were just the year of having a nice hike. <laughs> and there's something to be said about that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, great for us. <laughs> Not too many obstacles to deal with in that sense. Now, it was pretty social for you. I know that I've heard from multiple people that from the Mexican border to the Sierras, the conversation every day is about what what's going to happen in the Sierras. Was that your experience? Yeah, yeah. We, we maybe didn't. Uh, it wasn't as much of a mystery for us because we had already done that sort of uh, hike through the Sierras that we talked about. So, um, yeah, we might not have paid as much attention to the growing rumors about the, the pending Sierras, but there was plenty of talk about, oh, there, there's people backing up for three weeks waiting for the snow to melt to get into the Sierras and there's snowfall on this day. So definitely uh, lots of talk about that. Yeah, but we also started on May 3rd, so it was later than some people. So yeah, we just, we were able to go right through, didn't have to wait at all. So it, it turned out to be a pretty good start date for us. And you started on May 3rd. When did you finish? September 21st, which was our fifth wedding anniversary. And did you guys go out and celebrate? Yeah, we had champagne at the border. <laughs> <laughs> you went to Canada to celebrate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very good. How many, how many days was that? May 3rd is September 21st. 141. And how many zeros did you take? Six. Oh, wow. That's, that's a pretty low number of zeros. You guys are on the move. Yeah. We kind of uh, discovered that a slow and steady approach worked well for us and town was stressful and yeah. So liked just being out on the trail more. What, what made, what made town life stressful? <laughs> Too many chores, <laughs> grocery shopping, picking up your box at the post office. Um, Loitering with other hikers. Um, <laughs> that is a showering, chore. laundry. Those are big chores. Yeah. yeah. Town really is always quite stressful for for me, yeah, just yeah. you've got to do the stuff you've got to do. And on the trail, like we said a minute ago, it's so simple. There's there's almost nothing to do. So town is like, okay, get in the zone and go buy the food and so on. Okay. And I want to hear from each of you. What, what was the best part of the PCT? It has, it has many different personalities. It's a long trail, covers a lot of different environments. What was your favorite part and what was your least favorite part? I, I guess I can I can start. <laughs> okay. My favorite part was Northern California. And that's because we've been out for long enough. So that comes like after the Sierras and after oh, the desert, yeah. After desert, the desert, Sierras. after the Sierras, and over a thousand miles in, over a thousand miles to go. I just felt very connected with the trail. And I mean, see, the scenery is beautiful everywhere, um, but it was like this 
dream world that was never going to end. There was no counting down to the finish at that point. Uh, so, so that was just the, my favorite section, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. And do you t- talk, do you want to share your favorite section or do you want to, want to hear uh, Tick's least favorite section first? Um, yeah, that's really hard. Um, I, my answer is always when people ask me, what's your favorite part? I always say the entire thing. <laughs> I didn't, I liked everything, all sections. Yeah. Everything was good. It was a good trip. Every, every different section had its different character and it was fun experiencing all of them. Okay. And Tick, did you have a least favorite part? Yeah, but uh, I mean, I like Tox's answer that because uh, the whole yeah. thing was amazing. Uh, but the most challenging part uh, for me was when we finished, we had had almost no rain the entire trail until Washington. And the last couple weeks of our hike in 2018 were just rainy, a lot of rain. And I, it was still a great time, but that really tested our skills to be just in constant rain for two weeks straight, nowhere to dry your stuff out. And it was hard, but it was, it was still fun. And, but yeah, if I have to pick a least favorite part, it would be that. Okay. Now, when I go out for a couple of weeks at a time, um, you know, I, I get a side, eye, a side eyes look from uh, my family and from, from my wife. What I, I'm curious, what, what did your families think about this, you know, months long, you know, 141 day hike. Um, do they, they think you're a bit crazy? Do they, do they understand? Are they supportive? How, how does that work with your, with your families? My mom says never to get Renee a book uh, because <laughs> she's done the same thing with multiple ideas. You plant the idea and, um, and she follows it through to the end. So I, they tease us a little bit and yeah. Yeah. I think they were supportive, but also skeptical. Yeah. Uh, on the PCT, but yeah. And what did they say about the CDT? They're back at it. <laughs> They're back at it. And mm-hmm. having done the, the PCT and the CDT is the natural progression, the AT now? Is there a desire to be a triple crowner or that's not, that's not really a, a, a burning need. I guess it's not a burning need. No. Yeah. I'm not sure about the AT maybe someday, probably someday, but not anytime soon. I don't think. Yeah. I second that. We like it. It seems like a great trail. So maybe at some point, but I don't think it'll be our next big hike. Okay. Now the CDT, I've heard from multiple people that uh, the starting point of uh, the CDT in in New Mexico, there's a lot of wayfinding involved and a lot of questionable water sources. Was that was that your experience this year, or was, have they have they kind of picked up the the maintenance of the trail? Yeah, I think they made a big effort uh, recently to mark some of the to mark New Mexico better. So. There was definitely some stretches that were hard, but I think hard to find our way, but it, it was tolerable. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the water sources, there definitely are some questionable water sources. The very beginning, there's official water caches put out by the CDTC, 
so there's actually pretty good water for the first hundred miles. And then, and then there's some spots that it goes downhill, um, but, but it, it, it's doable. Yeah. I mean, we have our water filters. Yeah. That's what filters are for. You, you put in something brown and it comes out clear. Very good. Now, I, I was talking to a young man yesterday who was out just fresh off of the CDT. And like any, any, uh, any novice, I don't know, uh, I asked him, hey, you know, did you meet so-and-so on the trail? Did you meet so-and-so on the trail? Because I knew other people that were out on the, on the Colorado, uh, Colorado Continental Divide Trail. And it's like somebody asking me when they find out I'm from California, do you know so-and-so? who lives in California. Right. I, I did not expect, but he said that he met you guys out there. And oh. so did you guys meet, run into two taps? Yeah, we did. we met him in West Yellowstone. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't hike with him for long, but, uh, but yeah, it was a uh, fun to meet. Yeah. He was, he was a good interview last night and awesome. um, he, I mentioned a couple other names and he also met IB Tat who has been a, a guest on this show. Did you meet IB Tat? Yeah, yep. We ran into him in a town just briefly also. Yep. In Steamboat. In a town, which is, that's ironic because his his name, I.B. Tat, is, you know, I've been to a town. It's a reference to, was it Jeremiah Johnson, the movie? The I learned movie. that on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and last, uh, last person I'm going to ask about is Chris Carter. Do you meet Chris Carter out there? Doesn't sound like a trail name. Rad. He goes by Rad. Rad. I don't think so. I don't, that doesn't sound familiar. He has the word rad tattooed on his butt, if that helps uh, with, oh. the, with the uh, identification. I don't think so. I don't think we. I saw too many butts out there. But <laughs> <laughs> So Chris Carter, he, he did the Pacific Crest Trail. I forget which year, but he made a documentary on YouTube called To Measure a Mile, which is just really well done. Excellent, excellent uh, video. And... He did the CDT this year, got up to Canada, and then made a right turn and jumped onto the AT. He's currently on the AT going southbound, uh, aiming to be a, a triple crowner with, with two long trails in, in one season. So, Oh, wow. Well, that explains why we didn't meet him. He was probably done before we were halfway up. <laughs> All right. And so when, when did you guys go vegan? And, and tell, tell us the reason why. 2017, we both decided to go vegan. And um, for me, it, it's mostly to reduce my impact on land use. So if you eat a tomato, it takes up the space of a tomato plant. If you eat a piece of wheat, it takes up the space of a wheat plant. If you eat a cow, it takes up the space of a lot of corn plants and so on. So um, I, I don't want to influence anybody else how to eat, but that that's for me is a way that I can use less land for my food so that there's more land to go hiking and exploring in. Yeah. And yeah, that's my reasoning as well. And, and it's feels like a pretty healthy, satisfying diet also. So. Mm -hmm. Was it a joint decision or did somebody did somebody give talk a book to read? <laughs> Good question. I don't know who came up with this idea first, but. Yeah, I, I guess it was relatively joint. You yeah. make a lot of joint decisions. So. 
Well, that's good. That's, that's, that's a sign of a, of a strong relationship right there. <laughs> now, um, when you guys did the PCT and the CDT, how, how did you meal plan as vegans on the trail? We, um, we dehydrate food. So that's something that takes a little bit of extra work, but we really have a lot of fun doing it. And so we, on the PCT, we tried to mail ourselves all of our food. And as people point out, sort of your tastes change on a long hike. And we always liked our dinners, but we didn't necessarily like the granola bars that we had thought we'd like before the trail started. So we switched on the CDT and we just sent ourselves dinners that we dehydrated and pre-made. So we get to town, we'd buy whatever granola bars and oats or whatever we were craving, but then we made sure that every day we had at least one meal that was nutritious and full of, and complete. It had protein and carbs and vegetables and uh, all that stuff you you should be eating at dinner time if you can, and you often can't on a hike, but by using the mail service, we could. Okay. And the CDT, 3,100 miles long, give or take, depending on which routes you're taking, right? There's a lot of alternates with the CDT. How many shipments of uh, care packages is that? And did you do that all at once? Did you have people sending them out uh, on your behalf at certain time intervals? How does, how does that work to do the logistics for a long trail like the CDT? Yeah, for the CDT, we made 100 dinners ahead of time. I think it was how many shipments? 20. 20. Yeah, maybe 20 boxes. Um, And um, on the PCT, Tim's mom mailed our boxes to us. And on the CDT, my mom mailed our boxes. And it would mail, um, you know, four or five boxes at a time. And to uh, different to spots. different locations along the trail. Uh, the CDT was mostly to post offices and um, the post office holds boxes for 30 days when you ship it to general delivery. So. Okay. Um, and did you pack any surprises for yourself and forget about them until you open the boxes? <laughs> um, no, but my mom would... Um, we hinted that, oh, we'll leave these box open, the boxes open, and there's some extra space. So feel free to, you know, put some stuff in if you want. So she always sent us a little surprise. So that was nice. Nice. We, we always liked opening those and, and seeing what are we going to have? And yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was nice of her. And I, I think I'd add the as you said, the CDT does have all these different route options. And that would complicate shipping meals Um, for various reasons. We decided pretty early on that we were going to take the official route the whole way and not do any of the alternates uh, unless necessary for like a a forest fire. Um, So that that helped Renee's mom or Tox's mom know where to send them. And we had made her a, a schedule of this is where we think we'll be on certain days and we would update that if we were a little ahead or behind schedule. So that, that worked quite well. Yeah. And what, you know, along those lines, what was your communication device out there? What'd you take with you? Uh, we just had our phones. 
Oh, okay. We had a phone on the PCT. We had one phone shared between the two of us, and we learned that was not the right way to do it. So on the CDT, we each carried a phone. Well, it's different than a spork, right? I mean, you can't, <laughs> you can't yeah. just have one. Well, yeah, it's nice to both have maps. Yeah, <laughs> so we can hike separately if want if we want. But, but did you have cell service out there? Mostly what, not. What, what if you got into a bind and you're out in the middle of nowhere with no no reception? That was a risk we took. Okay. Um, so people, I think many hikers, maybe most hikers carry spot devices mm-hmm. or personal locator beacons. We don't. Um, I don't have a really good reason for why we don't. They're not that expensive. Um, they're not that heavy. But somehow it's not quite, it's never been something that we've decided to carry. So I, I, I wouldn't recommend that other people follow in our footsteps and say, Oh, it's, it's not a pure hike unless you're doing it without a spot, like carry a spot if it makes you feel more comfortable. Um, but maybe also because there's two of us that helped us feel a little bit like there was a backup plan other than a spot. If, if one of us broke a leg or. Right now, take I think this is the second time I've heard you say that, you know, I'm not a role model. I'm not trying to influence anybody, but you, you do have a TikTok account with 1.5 million followers. Uh, yeah. I don't want to tell anybody what to do. Uh, people, people like making their own decisions, but um, yeah. H- um, hike your own hike. That's what everyone always says. Yeah. Very good way to bring it back. Talk, hike your own hike, hike your own hike. All right. Hey, CDT, very long, lots of different environments, just like the PCT uh, favorite spot on the, on the, the CDT. Um. Yeah, so my favorite spot was actually in um, in Yellowstone. Um, we had had like a week of rain and it's just kind of cold and rainy and got to Yellowstone and um, early morning we got to this hot stream. It was like warmed by geysers and it was 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, we got there at six in the morning. It was all foggy and no one was around. So we stripped down, took off all of our clothes, jumped in the stream and drank lots of instant coffee for an hour. So that was my favorite spot on the trail. That sounds epic. Yeah. Nice. How about, how about you, Tick? Um, instead of a favorite spot, I'll give you a favorite section, which... I might change my mind tomorrow, but as of now, my favorite stretch of 500 miles was the state of Wyoming is just shocking how, how diverse it is in terms of the landscape. So you, you come into Wyoming in some rolling mountains and you think you're leaving the mountains after Colorado, and then you drop into the red desert, which is a non-draining basin, um, just in the middle of of Wyoming and it's pretty low relative to where you've been. And then you leave that and go up into the wind river range. And all of a sudden there's 13,000 foot peaks around you. And then you go into Yellowstone, which is full of geysers. And so just over the course of a couple of weeks, it's like you've hiked on so many different environments. It's really exciting to see the landscape change so fast. Yeah. I've heard so many people speak in awe of the wind river range. That, that's definitely a future destination for me. Mm, I recommend it. Yep. Nice. Now in Yellowstone and in Wyoming and Montana, there, there are some big animals that live there. 
Did you encounter any uh, grizzlies or moose? Yeah, yep, we saw three grizzly bears. Yep, so um, a mom and two cubs. Um, we kind of came over a hill and it was open and we could see down the hill to this creek. Um, and there were three things down by the creek and said, oh, hmm, those could be grizzly bears. And they're right on the trail. And so we just kept walking towards them and made noise and and tried to be loud and they weren't really moving. Um, we I think we saw nine black bears on the trail and every time we got saw a black bear, it just took off running. And the grizzly bears, they just didn't want to move. <laughs> so eventually they slowly walked to the other side of the creek. We passed really quickly. Um, there was like a bridge. So we kind of had only one option of where to cross. Passed really quickly, um, got out of there and they just went right back to where they were and continued munching on whatever they were eating. So it turned out to be just fine, but okay. um, it's fun. Nice. Now let's, uh, I want to talk about your, your website for a little bit. Um, because I've, I've taken a look, taken a cruise through, and you got a lot of great material on there. You want, you want to tell folks what they can expect to find on your website and what is your website address? Yeah, it's uh, reneeandtimhike.com, spelled R-E-N-E-E and timhike.com. Is that just um, T-I-M? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no fancy spelling there. Yeah, no <laughs> accent on Tim or... Uh, and it's yeah we just we try to put things on there that might be useful for for people so we have a blog of just our daily write-ups of of our through hikes and then we've also put on a bunch of articles about this was our power strategy on the pacific crest trail and here's our gear observations on on the pct and we have that for setting out on the cdt and so we'll put on more of that type of stuff uh, relating to our CDT hike going forward. Yeah. And then we also have um, a big section on all of our recipes. So we love cooking and eating. So we, and sharing our recipes. And this has been so exciting in the last couple of weeks. We've, we've gotten some tags and messages from folks who have used our recipes on their own hikes. And that's been just so cool uh, to see that people actually are going to that website and checking it out. And uh, we love getting those messages. And I'm going to give a shout out to um, the backpacking chef is chef. What's his name? Uh, chef, chef Glenn, Glenn yeah. who he has a website all about cooking also. And that he, he is where we learned pretty much our whole cooking method. And now we've, Develop some of our own recipes uh, based really on his method of dehydrating and rehydrating. So uh, we wouldn't know anything about cooking backpacking food if it weren't for backpacking chef plan. Yeah, we try to uh, uh, be really fuel efficient in our cooking. So we soak our food, only bring it to a boil for a minute or two, and then let it sit for 10 more minutes just to save fuel. Nice. I think I said earlier about uh, going down the rabbit hole with tarp pitches in, in YouTube. Um, I think that I know in my case, planning for a hike is half the fun. 
you know, doing your research and planning, you know, where, where are the possible campsites? How, what's the resupply strategy? How is this going to work? What are the meals going to be like? You know, that is for me, that's more than half the fun. And um, I'm always looking for great resources for planning hikes. And what you have in your website is a, a fantastic resource for anybody considering doing the PCT, doing the CDT, uh, you know, food strategies, power strategies, uh, just a lot of great information there. So thank you for putting that together for us. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, when we first uh, started on that website, it was, you asked early about earlier about trail depression. It was maybe a cure for that. We were post-PCT thinking, how do we relive the PCT? And we, we said, let's just make a website. And uh, yeah, people are checking it out now. So that's cool. Yeah. It's funny what people do in trail with trail depression. They make websites, they host podcasts, they, you know, all kinds of stuff out there. <laughs> make apps, <laughs> make apps. Very good. So what is next for Renee and Tim? What's next for tick and talk? Um, to be determined. Yeah. I think we're, yeah, we will definitely go back to work this winter and there will definitely be a big adventure next summer, but Yeah. We're taking recommendations. So <laughs> yeah, if you if you have any ideas, we're all ears. We we've got a schedule now. We've lined up our jobs in a way that that will let us do something else big next summer. And we're looking forward to that. But but yeah, we're really still deciding. Yeah. Okay. It was clear after the PCT that we wanted to do the CDT, but nothing is just standing out as we have to do it next summer. So Okay. All options are available then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got a canoe that I built several years ago and uh, yeah, that's on the website too, how, how we built the canoe. And yeah, if, if we can find a way to incorporate canoeing into one of our future big trips, uh, that'll be fun. So we're thinking about that and we'll see. Okay. Guys, you know where we are? Yeah. Nice. I knew you would. I knew you would. <laughs> this is the segment, the pro tip inside of the week. What do you have for us? It's going to, what, what piece of wisdom do you have for us? It's going to make our listeners next outdoor adventure even better. And I'm expecting a pro tip from each of you. Okay. Uh, so I'll go first. My pro tip is everybody wants a light backpack and we focus so much on pack weight or base weight, um, which is good. It's good to get your base weight as low as possible, but it's usually often your base weight is less than half of your pack weight. Uh, you've also got food and water in there and there's a lot of ways to reduce food weight if you pay attention to that. So I know, I know hikers who love, um, tasty bites, which are these Indian food, packets. They're wonderful. They're not dehydrated. They're really heavy. And, uh, and if you switch to stoveless in the interest of carrying these really heavy things, um, then, then your back's got to be prepared for it. So, um, yeah. So when thinking about weight, my pro tip is to also think about how can you carry lighter food? Okay. Good point. Yeah. You talk about, we talk about base, but we talk about, you know, seven pounds, 10 pounds, 12 pounds. And in reality, that's, that's just a, a fraction of, of what you're actually carrying on the trail. Yep. Good point. 
And I guess after that 17 day food carry uh, that we told you about earlier, we, we learned that food can be really heavy. Uh, so. <laughs> yep. We're always checking the calories and versus weight and how much fat and protein. Yep. Yeah. Well, 17 pounds of pop tarts, that's the same as 17 pounds of, you know, dehydrated jerky. So <laughs> 17 pounds of 17. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. It's not 17 pounds. It's 17 days, 17, 17 days. days. Yeah. So yeah. 17 days of, of pop tarts would be diff- different weight than 17 days of jerky. I agree. Right. Yeah. 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 Good point. Yeah. And we uh, really do also notice uh, that we're much happier when we can. Yeah. We, try to get high quality food also. So a, you know, 250 calorie granola bar keeps us full a lot longer than a uh, bag of Skittles for the same calories. So try to always, Skittles might be tastier than the granola bar, but um, yeah, the granola bar has more protein and keeps us full longer. Okay. Talk, what is your pro tip? Um, I think my pro tip is, uh, start slow on these through hikes. Um, yeah, that has worked really well for us on our, both the PCT and the CDT. We started at a slower pace of 15 miles per day and slowly worked up, um, throughout the desert up to, you know, over 20, uh, and, um, yeah, we avoided injury and, um, yeah. So that's my high, uh, tip to stay on the trail in the beginning is just take it slow and easy and have fun in the beginning. Start slow and, and build up that, those trail legs. Okay. Yep. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. I hope our listeners enjoyed our time with tick and talk. I want to thank them for joining us this week, guys. How can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your next adventures? On uh, on TikTok, we are through hikers spelled with a U, and on Instagram, we are Renee and Tim. And, and our website is reneeandtimhike.com. Okay, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakingmirror at gmail.com. Guys, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some type of adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the trail in the off season. What do you have for us? Um, I'll go first. We both have one, I think. Okay. Uh, mine is, it's a throwback. Uh, it's the Sand County Almanac by Aldo Leopold. Uh, so nice old book published in 1947 or something. And um, every time I read it, it, it reminds me that there's nature all around us and there's something really um, fun to see, even when you're not in the Sierras or on a 14,000 foot peak, uh, you can, you can find exciting, exciting wildlife in your backyard if you look hard enough. And so, uh, so that's, that's mine. And give us the title one more time. It's called Sand County Almanac. And it's kind of, uh, how does, yeah, it's, it's a, just a book about the will or about nature. Okay. All right. <laughs> and it's by Aldo Leopold. Got it. Um, and 
our friend um, Dirty Money, who we met on the PCT and also had a chance to hike with on the CDT. Um, she has a great YouTube channel and website. Um, so I would definitely recommend checking that out. And she will have a book coming out this winter. Um, it will be available in German and hopefully soon after that in English. Um, so I don't remember the title, but check out her social media and it'll uh, announce when the book is in available. Some great trail names out there. Dirty Money, Parmesan. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and did you say her her regular name for finding the book is uh, Barbara Willen? Yeah. Uh, you couldn't look it up by by Dirty Money? It might be hard. Probably uh, not. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's um kind of about her um her she has a very uh, lives in northern Sweden and um, lives a very simple life in a tiny house. And so it's all about her adventures and uh, simple life. So. so she hikes in America. She lives in Sweden in a, in a tiny house and she writes books in German. And she has sled dogs and sled dogs. Wow. I, I need to get that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, She's uh, originally from Switzerland, but Okay. Very international. (laughs) (laughs) And before we wrap things up, I've got one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell me about? What did I miss in the interview here? Um, My uh, sister uh, was uh, also out on the trails this year and she through hiked the PCT while we were through hiking the CDT with her husband. So. Wow. Did she catch the hiking bug from you? Or did, uh, did, did you give her your copy of Wild after you were done with it? <laughs> uh, definitely uh, both. And, and yeah, and her and her husband have been doing a lot of backpacking together for years too. So, yeah. And what are their trail names? They cannot be as cute as Tick and Talk. <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, her, her name is Pokey because um, she is uh, very slow uh, at getting going and that's a great name for her real life too um, <laughs> just <in> trail life. <laughs> um, and her husband is double stuff double stuff okay referring to oreos yes yeah he, has, he has an affinity for that uh, on the trail or maybe off the trail or both clothing right yeah i think it was his clothing he we looked weren't... he looked like an oreo i guess oh okay got it like maybe black shoes, black shirt, and white shorts or, or something like that. We weren't out there. We haven't seen them since they did the hike, so we don't have all the stories. But Well, sound, you guys are you're scouting up talent for me. I'm going to have to get in touch with them. I'll, I'll, are they on Instagram under Double Stuff and, and uh, Pokey? They're on there. Yeah, they're definitely on Instagram. Um, I, I don't honestly know. I think it might be uh, Rachel Flunker. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Um, is the the Instagram? Yep. And that's a different cat than than walked through the frame earlier. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Two cats. Huh? This is Josefina. The other one was Topanga. They're like mom and dad. What What are we doing here? It's It's late. We should be in bed. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, that's a wrap from the John Freaky Mirror Studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, guys? Uh 
Yeah, a few. We got a shout out to the people who watched the cats all summer. Um, the Castle family, our friends from Missouri. So that that's one shout out. Yeah, not a small ask to um, watch two uh, not so well behaved cats for six months at a time. Um, and definitely a shout out to our moms who have been helping mail our resupply boxes. And um, my my dad also, he's very uh, loves uh, through hikers and uh, watches all the YouTubes and follows all the blogs of all the through hikers. So fun talking to him about through hiking does he listen to the podcast um no but i will have to let him he will, I mean, he, I he he will now yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we'll definitely send him this episode and hopefully he'll be hooked okay well thank you for tuning in always remember the trail is the trail it doesn't care if you want to go downhill it doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you're carrying 17 days worth of food through the Sierras with no bear <laughs> canister. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.